For a second week in a row, we turn back to Jonah, these rather wild uh, and yet poignant four chapters in the Bible. It's printed in your bulletin if if you want to kind of consult it along the way. So many uh, consider Jonah to be a satire, okay? It's about a rebellious prophet who is angry at God, who turns his back on God, For loving his enemies. I say satire because everything is turned on its head a bit. All the characters do opposite of what we might expect them to do. The prophet, this man of God, rebels and exercises very little faith uh, in this story, literally running away from God. Whereas the pagan sailors, even the wicked king and the wicked city of Nineveh, repent rather quickly and turn toward God. Even the cows in this story repent, wearing sackcloth and ashes. And of course, the belly of a whale, a sea monster, becomes a submarine passageway to life for Jonah. So think satire. And before you write the story off as ridiculous, as not true, you might think of other stories you know and love that have elements that can't possibly seem true in any literal sense, but that shine a light on something so true and profound and beautiful. Stories that we all know and love that pose profound questions that cause us to think about life or God in a different, maybe more whole way. Jonah is like that for me. So I went into detail last week, but sermons have a short shelf life, right? If, if any shelf life at all. So here's a recap. We only learn this at the end of Jonah. But the reason Jonah turns his back on God, the reason he refuses to go to the city of Nineveh to announce its destruction, they were wicked after all, Jonah ran from God because Jonah had a feeling that God was going to forgive them. Jonah feared that God would change God's mind and be too nice to his sworn enemies. And that is precisely what happens in this story. God changes God's mind. End of chapter 3. God did not bring calamity on the city. And in chapter 4, some of the most poignant words, Jonah says, This is why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. Well, as I mentioned last week, both God and Jonah seem rather moody in this short story. They have a complicated relationship. Several times, Jonah wishes God would just take his life. It is better for me to die than to live said Jonah. I take this to mean that Jonah would rather die 
than see his sworn enemies be saved and not be held accountable, right, for their wickedness. So remember, Nineveh was a hated enemy for Jonah and his people. Well, the story ends with Jonah on the edge of the city, sulking again, with God asking him a profound question around anger and whether Jonah's anger is right and justified. The book of Jonah ends with a question. It ends with God basically asking Jonah, can you let me be God? Can you let me love people you hate? Now, the way I read this, God doesn't demand that Jonah exercise that same love necessarily, or at least not right then and there. But can Jonah let God exercise God's love and mercy? Well, we don't know what Jonah said in response. It hangs as a question mark, I think, for all of us. Well, after last Sunday's sermon, David Matthews, uh, a member here, said he, he found himself comparing Jonah to the eldest son in the prodigal son story. This story, in this story, the rebellious younger son comes home after squandering money, doing as he pleased, and the father in this story welcomes him home with open arms, throws a big party. The eldest son, meanwhile, sulks and hangs back, wondering, probably, where is the accountability? Where is the judgment? The punishment. Why is dad throwing a big party? Where is the appreciation for what I have done? When am I going to be appreciated for the trouble I didn't get in? Where is my party? I think this is a great comparison in scripture. David and I agreed that Jonah and the eldest son are are quite relatable. (laughs) Why don't bad and wicked and corrupt people, why don't they get what they deserve? When will the good people of this earth start inheriting the earth as is promised in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, besides thinking about the elder son and the prodigal son story, there has been another comparison that's been on my mind ever since beginning this character study on Jonah. And here I invite us to turn to the image, the sketch inside your bulletin of Dirk Willems from the Martyr's Mirror. So this is a sketch of an early Anabaptist. So the Anabaptists were, were a group of these, these 16th century radical reformers whom Mennonites trace their heritage. So the story of Dirk Willems is a well-known story for many Mennonites. And I'd actually, I think it would be interesting. There's, don't feel bad if you, if you don't raise your hand. But I think it'd be interesting to see a show of hands of who, who, know, who, who could summarize this story. Who could be conversant about this story? 
Oh, raise them high. Oh, I really want to see. And again, don't feel bad. Okay, so a good number, but a good number don't in the room. So I, I'd like to, to share a little bit about this. So I had this sketch. Uh, it's a little embarrassing, but I had it um, in my bedroom growing up, um, tacked to a bulletin board next to my Bo Jackson uh, poster. <laughs> Bo Jackson was my favorite athlete growing up. I had a larger-than-life poster. So that was right next to my Dirk Willems uh, sketch. I also had it up in my college dorm room, not the Bo Jackson poster, but the other one. So, so, and, and another thing I want to say before getting into this story is, is this image came so, um, uh, into my mind, um, two weeks ago, because last Sunday was designated as Mennonite World Fellowship Sunday, a time when Mennonites all over the world uh, remember these early Anabaptists and what they stood for. So this kind of image came, came to mind. So listen to what uh, a professor of history at Eastern Mennonite University says about this story. She, she summarizes it in a, in a lovely way. Her name is Dr. Schmidt. For Mennonites, she says, Dirk Willems is everywhere. Pick up just about any Mennonite publication online or print, and I'll bet my grandmother's sacred Swebach recipe that Dirk Willems makes his appearance. His image can be found on church banners, Sunday school curriculum, publications, church bulletins, conference brochures, newspapers, books, and even on the label for a failed Mennonite beer. Didn't know that existed. Willems also has inspired Tom and Jerry cartoon knockoffs and dog sweaters. Did not know that. There's Dirk, who was caught, tried, and convicted as an Anabaptist in those later years of harsh Spanish rule under the Duke of Avila in the Netherlands. He is skinny. He, doesn't, he, he looks pretty stout in the, the sketch, but she writes, He is skinny from being imprisoned, eating nothing but watery gruel, descending with knotted rags from a residential palace turned into a prison. He escapes and drops onto the ice that covered the castle moat. Well, seeing him escape, a palace guard pursued him as he fled. Dirk crossed the thin ice of a pond safely. His own weight, remember, had been reduced by prison rations. But the heavier, well-fed pursuer broke through and falls through the ice. Dirk sees this. What is he to do? Well, Dirk turns back, and this is what the sketch shows. It is Dirk turning back, reaching his hand for his pursuer, and he hauls his would-be captor from the icy currents. Now, for this selfless, heroic act, Dirk is promptly rejailed, tortured, tried and sentenced to be burned at the stake at dawn. Well, I did some more digging, and, and here, is, here is a written account of, of the ruling or the decision to execute him. 
Whereas Dirk Willems has, without torture and iron bonds or otherwise, before the bailiff and us judges, confessed that at the age of 15, 18, or 20 years, he was rebaptized. Anabaptist, of course, means rebaptizer. He was rebaptized in the house of one Peter Willems. And that he further in aspirin at his house at divers hours harbored and admitted secret conventicles. I had to look this word up. A secret or unlawful religious meeting. The report continues. Dirk confessed that he prohibited doctrines and has permitted several persons to be rebaptized in his house. All of which is contrary to our holy Christian faith. And ought not to be tolerated, but severely punished for an example to others. Therefore, we, the judges, having with matured deliberation of counsel examined and considered all that was to be considered in this matter, have condemned and do condemn. He shall be executed with fire until death ensues and declare all his property confiscated for the benefit of his royal majesty. Well, I kept reading. Did you know that the reports say that the pyre refused to burn? The wind was too strong and kept blowing out the lingering fire, leaving Dirk burned from the waist down, but alive. It is said that Dirk cried out in agony at least 70 times before the constable in charge implored the nearby executioner to find a way to quickly and mercifully dispatch Dirk. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Dirk's story, presented in the book called Martyr's Mirror, which is full of these similar stories, it's such a potent and challenging story for so many of us Mennonite-identifying or Anabaptist-identifying people. Some believe that no story of an Anabaptist martyr has captured the moral and social imagination more than this story of Dirk Willems, except maybe for the story of Jesus. Many Mennonite and Anabaptist historians claim that it is the most defining narrative of our collective Mennonite identity. And it's celebrated, right, for, for some good reasons. It teaches us to have compassion or recognize the humanity of even our oppressor. It teaches us what it might look like to follow Jesus' teachings and turn the other cheek. And it warns us not to expect to be rewarded for good works. A sharp contradiction to the American gospel of success, sometimes known as the prosperity gospel, that you'll be rewarded for your good works, often materially. So many, as as I have been prone to do, we want to celebrate this story unconditionally. But I, in more recent years, have also asked, is it possible to take this story 
too far. And here is where I want to channel uh, Jonah, the skeptic Jonah, and just ask some, pose some questions. So I, I mentioned earlier that this Eastern Mennonite professor um, has written about a, a, a summary of, of the Dirk Willems set, a story. She talks about how in 1997, she gave a paper uh, at a symposium called Mennonite and Jewish Ethnic Identity in America. So she was at this conference, and it included a lot of ancestors of Holocaust survivors at this conference. And she told the story of Dirk Willems. And much to her surprise and to the Mennonites uh, in the room surprise, many in the audience erupted with surprised laughter. Why on earth, they asked many in the audience, would you go back and rescue your captor? She talked with many after the conference or after her presentation. And many said, you know, as Jews, we would have never thought to rescue the Nazis. How stupid can you get? The Mennonites, meanwhile, at this conference were dumbfounded. Here is this highly revered story for so many. And half the room was saying, run, Dirk, run. Don't turn back. Well, this woman, again, Dr. Schmidt from Eastern Mennonite University, she hasn't forgotten that moment. She, like, in many ways, like me, never really thought when she was younger to question this revered story and example. But the more she thought about it, she, she began to see potential problems, not so much in Dirk's action, but how we today share and prop up this story. Soon she would find herself in relationships and conflicts where it wasn't safe for her to return back, to turn toward her captor. So this sent her on a search for other Anabaptist stories that showed people running and thriving as a result. Stories alongside Dirks that support life-affirming actions. So I, don't get me wrong, she appreciates this story, but she also appreciates ones that she says pushed her across the frozen rivers and abusive relationships that kept her moving forward, not always turning back to rescue, rescue, rescue. And so this brings me to some further um, questions and thoughts. Turning away, <laughs> turning back, turning toward others or the oppressor who is harming us, forgiveness, accountability, grace, justice. These are all movements that are complicated and unique for each person, for each situation, for each community. It's hardly ever easy 
to figure out how to turn. It often requires a high degree of sensitivity and discernment, a lot of therapy sometimes, to parse all of this. Often there doesn't seem to be a crystal clear right thing to do. And even when it does seem clear, it doesn't mean we'll always have the strength to follow through. And so turning back to Jonah, the story, one more time, I find Dirk and Jonah to be an interesting pairing. And I often, over these last couple weeks, I have felt somewhere in between these stories, (laughs) these urges to turn away, turn toward. And for that reason, I think these are good stories to continue to wrestle with and put in front of us as we discern what forgiveness, compassion, accountability, and justice, what all of that means for us today. And as I said last week, what I appreciate so much about this story of Jonah is that in the end, God doesn't turn God's back on Jonah. In that way, I see God as the one continually reaching back to Jonah who falls through the water, right? Offering Jonah and offering us compassion, when we are so full of anger and outright rage that we can't even let God love people we hate. Well, now speaking of anger and outrage, I have a few closing thoughts. Let's remember that God asked Jonah two times in this short story whether Jonah's anger is justified. And, of course, these questions just make Jonah angrier. I look out today to this congregation, and I know that many of us are angry, outraged, whether it's related to U.S. politics, policies, whether it's related to the many environmental crises, concerns of our day, not to mention that half the country will be angry at the outcome of today's football game. (laughs) There are things closer to home, though, that also make us outraged. Conflicts, betrayal of trust, the hurts and the fears that we each carry, ways we continue to be triggered and harmed that cause us to get all in knots. And the church, as we know, is not exempt from these conflicts, big and small. I said last week that in the book of Jonah, God doesn't demand that Jonah forgive the Ninevites, at least not right then and there. But again, God asked Jonah to let God be God. He wasn't, God wasn't asking Jonah to submit to his enemies, but submit to God who loves Jonah's enemies. That is a subtle 
yet important aspect of this story that I appreciate. So I think in in that way, Jonah maybe provides us today, all these (laughs) centuries later, an interesting framework for us to keep thinking about our conflicts, big and small. Now, just a couple more closing thoughts. Been thinking some this week uh, of, of what the great social researcher today, Brene Brown, what she likes to say. She says over and over in her books and public speaking tours that it is quite natural and human for our pain and discomfort to turn into hatred and blame. She says it's often so much easier for us to cause pain than it is for us to feel our own pain. Isn't that so true? She is someone out there encouraging us, whether we define ourselves as Christian or not, to have more honest conversations with friends, with pastors, with therapists and small groups, and really look at what we are capable of when we can't confront our own fears and discomfort. My spouse and I often will remind remind each other that when we feel fear and discomfort, when we are tempted to hate and blame, we remind each other it's not a straight line. Figuring these things out is not a straight line. So let's keep that in mind. As we sing this next hymn that I have, was not familiar with, but poses such good thoughts and questions, but let us remember, it is not a straight line. May it be so. Mm-hmm.